So I call him so hard, the employees wanna find me. And then wanna hire me. What's 100k to a guy like me? Could you please remind me? Fall so hard, this ain't easy. Working late nights, you best believe me. My grades can only go ace. Never wanna see another B unless I'm Jay-Z. Fall so hard, let's get paid. Good evening or good morning, wherever you guys are. I'm Jim Pruitt, one of your hosts for Form So Hard Podcast, aka Form D in the Easy. And we have a special show for you guys today. And the episode is going to be transitioning from pharmacy school to residency, especially PGY1 residency. And I think we have online right now probably the two most popular PGY1 pharmacy residents in the nation right now. So go ahead and introduce yourself for the audience. <laughs> Hello everyone, this is Ashley from the ABN Pharmacy. And my name is Brooke Barlow. I'm one of the PGY1 residents at the University of Kentucky and we're so excited to be here with you today. Absolutely. And today's going to be, again, another episode where we kind of talk more about you guys and give the audience, especially those students and those that are PGY1 residencies, kind of a little bit more intro into who you guys are, what it is to be a PGY1 resident. As we get into this, kind of give us a background about you, where you grew up, high school, hobbies. Just give us the whole the whole nine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So first off, a little fun fact about us. A lot of people know us as, you know, twins, the pharmacy twins. But in fact, we are triplets. So we do have another sister. Her name is Danielle. So it's Ashley, Brooke, and Danielle. Um, we were supposed to be A, B, C, but then they skipped letter and went right to D for Danielle. <laughs> um, so we were all born and raised in Philadelphia. At first, we lived in the Northeast, but then we moved out to the suburbs for middle school. Um, as a triplet, our parents always try to split us up in classrooms to try and alleviate any stress from teachers, um, but we ended up finding our ways together in school. We all went to the same high school and um, college before jumping into pharmacy school. Um, and then Brooke can tell you a little bit about our hobbies throughout school. Yeah, so I would say we were always actively involved in sports. Ashley specifically loved her swimming. I was involved in field hockey, swim, as well as cross country. So we were always big fitness fans. Um, as a family, I, we also have an older brother. I know Ashley mentioned that we were triplets, but we were always a part of the school band. My brother specifically was in the jazz band. He played the drums. And then we played the violin as a part of the regular band. So just some other hobbies outside of, you know, science and math and pharmacy. Now that we've gotten a little bit older, now that we're in college, we absolutely love photography. I would say healthy cooking has been another big thing for us, and then fitness. Give us a little bit more information about when and how did you guys decide to go into pharmacy? And I'm actually pretty curious now, since I know there's three of you guys. Also, kind of let us know, how did you guys decide to you know, do pharmacy together? Yeah, absolutely. So the way I kind of like to tell everyone about my path into pharmacy, especially both of our paths, is by using the quote, every closed door opens a new opportunity. So it was kind of a funny story. Our path to pharmacy school, I would say, was more of a non-traditional one. Um, at our grandfather's funeral, unfortunately, we actually happened to be introduced to a close family friend of ours that was a pharmacist. It was our first time meeting this gentleman, and he actually ended up working at 
Jefferson College of Pharmacy, the pharmacy where we went to pharmacy, the pharmacy school where we went. Um, so once we kind of learned a little bit about his path into pharmacy, all of the different job opportunities available, he happened to be an ambulatory care pharmacist, but also was in academia, kind of a little bit of a mixture of everything we happened to be interested in prior to going into pharmacy school. We always knew we wanted to go into the medical field. Both of my parents are nurses and we didn't think that, you know, that those types of like hands-on, um, you know, the whole needles or anything about the nursing career was quite to our liking. So we wanted something a little bit different. And pharmacy seemed like the perfect mixture of patient care activities, plus getting involved in the medical field and academia. So that was how we kind of found our path. And we shadowed this specific pharmacist and got to see his practice site. And it was very, very inspirational. Um, Brooke can tell you a little bit about why we decided to do it together. I don't think there's a, a true science behind it, but I will definitely say that uh, genetics do play a huge role in <laughs> Ashley being twins. Um, and we have very similar interests and kind of like when we both had met this particular pharmacist, I think he inspired us so much and we talk a lot together about how much we love math and science and direct patient care. So we really felt like pharmacy was a good fit for the both of us. And we augment each other's, uh, I guess, personalities and strengths really well. So we were like, you know what, let's give this a try together. And then if, of course, we find different paths in pharmacy, that's perfectly fine, which I think at this point we actually have, you know, kind of stepping into our interest in PGY2, but that'll be a different story for a different time. Um, you know, we kind of just felt like this was really aligned with a lot of the passions that we had. So we were like, let's give it a try together. When you went through the initial process, did you guys really want to go to the same site? Was that like kind of the goal all along? For residency, yeah. So I think <laughs> it's funny. We actually got asked this question a lot on interviews because we happened to apply to a lot of the same sites together. And when we went on interviews, everyone was like, oh, you know, like, do you guys want to come to the same site? Like, are you planning on doing the couples match? Even my mom and dad, they love when we're together and our personalities together. They're like, please do a couples match. But we decided not to do that and let fate take its course. Um, when we decided on our ranking process, we actually sat in separate rooms and kind of let our minds think for themselves reflect back on our interview processes, what our, really, uh, what our goals and aspirations were for residency, and try to really think on our own what program would fit that the best for us. And I think we both ended up exactly where we belong. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, that's, that's super cool to, to see that because these are things that we hear about, you know, a lot of the times. But for you guys, one of the key things that's kind of made this story more, you know, interesting, the fact that you guys got into foam kind of together and you kind of had this joint account on Twitter that really just took off. And, you know, across the across the board, anyone in pharmacy, especially who's on phone, pretty much like reference you guys to like almost any, you know, topic mm -hmm. that's on Twitter now. So <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. So how did you guys really get into phone? I know I had a preceptor tell me about the different things and I went on Twitter. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. So how did you guys get involved in the phone and what made you guys want to do a joint account? Yeah, I think that this is an absolutely great question. And I have to admit, I don't think we expected it to skyrocket as quickly as we did, but we're so happy to be involved and a part of this like ex external community, you could say, um, outside of just physically where we are. But I would say how we got into FOMED specifically 
in pharmacy school, um, I was never really into social media. I know Ashley, maybe you say the same. We were kind of more interested in Instagram, but it felt more of like a personal outlet for us to kind of express more of our fitness, photography, and food type of thing. But we never really heard of Twitter. Um, but what we did is we got involved with one of the actually emergency medicine pharmacists at Jefferson College of Pharmacy, uh, Dr. Robert Pugliz. And he is really heavy into uh, phone med, and he actually is a part of um, ALIEM, the blog website. And he said he's seen a lot of our different passions and how much in pharmacy school, we would specifically be the, be the students to venture outside of the DePiro textbook to learn more. Um, we were never truly satisfied with just the what in an answer, but we always like wanted to fill the voids with the why. And we would listen to a lot of webinars about different clinical contents outside of the classroom setting. So I would say like he kind of seen our passion was far more than just the regular pharmacy student, and especially when we shadowed him. So he was like, you know, I really think you guys would be great in terms of your clinical pearls to put some of this on to Twitter, share it with others. And as soon as we got on there and seeing the community that's out there and how many people you can interact with, whether it's students, uh, other pharmacists, or even in the medical field or nursing, like the amount of education that you can get from the atmosphere such as Twitter, like we were so engaged right off the bat. Because um, we also like, like to read a lot of blogs and I think bloggers are also heavily integrated into the FOMED site on Twitter, that we just love the integration between all of that and being able to put our own pearls out there and learn from others was just the perfect atmosphere for us. I also think that a huge part of it was when we went on to Twitter, it kind of like replaced our email. So we used to kind of look at our email for a ton of new updates on articles or journals. And sometimes it's so overwhelming. Like I've had pharmacy students ask me this as I've been at the University of Maryland as a resident. The students come up to me, they're like, how do you keep up to date on all of this literature that comes out? Pharmacy is always evolving, which is easily one of our favorite parts about the profession. But my favorite thing is I don't even have to worry about subscribing to any emails anymore because I go right on Twitter and everyone's posting about the hottest new journals, the new topics. And it's like things that I would never even think of looking up before. And, and they come across my Twitter feed and I'm like, I would have never have thought of this. And now I can go to rounds tomorrow with this like amazing new pearl that I would have never have known before if I didn't take a scroll through Twitter for a couple minutes. So I think that that's definitely one of the most rewarding parts of being a part of Twitter. Yeah, and the great thing about this is the fact that you guys was inspired to get into it. And now, and every time something comes out, it's like, can someone make something out of this? Someone, can someone mm -hmm. make this easier to see? So how did you guys get into making those? You kind of mentioned photography. Um, so how do you guys get into making those? And you guys really have a unique perspective. And usually people reference your things in their presentations now. So give us a little bit more information about that. Yeah, absolutely. So we've always had a really creative mindset. I can say even throughout pharmacy school, sometimes when we would study together, instead of kind of just going through the lecture material, we would make funny rhymes or different acronyms that would help us learn. So I think we've always been involved in a creative way of learning. So the infographics have been a really amazing outlet for us to kind of integrate our creativity into our pharmacy passion. Um, for us, I think it helps me learn about a new topic and then summarize it in a new and innovative way that will help me and be a kind of a rewarding way to reflect 
back on material that I learn. I found specifically on rotations, I've been making a lot of these infographics. Like, for example, on my oncology rotation, I've made a, one every single day for my chemo of the day. And it was such a fun way to show the material to the nurses that would sit in the topics with us, the pharmacy school students. And I think it's just a, a wave of the future and being able to use technology in a way that is visually appealing for us visual learners and it's also a very fun task for us they're not the easiest things to make when you first get started but once you start kind of doing them over and over again and we definitely have a really helpful beginner's guide to designing infographics we made an infographic on making infographics to help people who are just getting started uh, but it's a really fun process i would totally agree with that and i would say just in general we were never I, I would always read textbooks, but absorbing information and actually learning it for long term. I've always been a visual learner, so I would always draw pictures about, you know, whether it was med medicinal chemistry, we would draw pictures of how to connect all the dots in terms of making new molecules and stuff. But it's always been that type of way for me to learn. And using this type of, um, I guess, outlet in making infographics, even on my topic discussions for my different rotations has just been super helpful in helping me remember the information. And we hope to share this with other visual learners that learn the same way. So you guys mentioned you had an uh, infographic, infographic on infographics, but outside of there, is there any tips that you can kind of pass along to the audience? Because I think this is something that you guys caught early and a lot of people are going to try to get into and, and try to help with the, those visual learners, as you said. So what tips do you have for the audience? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that once you decide you're going to make an infographic, it's very easy to get you're kind of caught up in the design because that's pretty much what the display of the infographic is. But I would say, take your time to really understand what the main points you're trying to get at in an infographic. Because when you're covering a topic, Sometimes there's so much information that you would like to put in one, but you can't actually put it all in because then it's too overwhelming. It's not visually appealing. So it has to be something that is concrete, but yet comprehensive enough to be able to understand what you're trying to reflect. So I would say like jotting down a couple points on a piece of paper in a Google Doc or something like, what are the main points I want someone to know about? For example, you know, the toxicities of amiodarone or something. What are the main points I want to get at and what I want my learners to know? And then it really helps you when you look at your infographic, like to not overwhelm the space and then still be able to kind of reflect on what your topic is in the most constructive way. Um, it's also very easy to get caught up in the design. So if you really make sure you understand what you're putting in there first, it makes designing it also a lot easier. Yeah, I think it was Brent Reed who had uh, commented on our infographic that said the importance of white space. And I couldn't emphasize that more. You know, an infographic is meant to be an easy way that someone can look at a picture or, you know, the graphic and say, I can gain these key points in a couple of minutes by looking at it. And I think that that white space is definitely essential because if it's over cluttered, it's not as visually appealing. Um, so I think exactly what Ashley had said is, is key. Um, I, I would also say to make sure that you in, engage a lot of colors because I'm one of those people who, you know, mm -hmm. A lot of the templates, honestly, that you may find, because I know we were discussing some different templates on the Twitter thread as well. There's like Canva, there's Vengage, um, but some of them can be a little bit bland in their colors. So 
feel free to introduce whatever it is that you find to be visually appealing. Um, and honestly, we've found that as we continue to make graphics, especially on some of the higher level topics, don't be afraid to reach out and ask someone to review it for you. Like we found that to be incredibly helpful, especially if it was something I knew I wasn't an expert on. I'm of course just a PGY1 resident, so I might just be learning some of these topics. So I would reach out to some of my preceptors or maybe someone who I was going through the topic discussion with that week and say, hey, can you review this for me? And they would provide me some points of feedback, which I found to be very helpful as well. I want to kind of transition now and talk about like your role as a pharmacy student and how you guys transitioned to residency. So can you give any comments to particularly third and fourth year students right now for tips for mid-year? Yes, that is great. Um, I think we had definitely reached out to a lot of PGY1 residents when we were moving into this transition. So I just want to say from the get-go, don't be afraid to reach out. Even if it's to Ashley and I, I think we can both speak um, for one another and say that reaching out and talking to others is huge because, you know, we've been through the process and those people that can provide that, um, their advice, you know, what was their transition like is key. But I would say my first thing I would say is when you're going to mid-year, make sure, I know this sounds uh, really cliche, but be prepared, you know, making sure that you're, when you go to mid-year, uh, ASHP provides a vast amount of resources to help students really prepare to walking in uh, to whether it's the residency showcase or different types of interactions you may find with PGY1 programs. Um, walk in and say, I know that these are some of the top programs that I want to make sure that I hit. There's a lot of resources that they have in terms of what residency programs will be there at the residency showcase. So making sure that each student, you know, takes the time to really invest and engage in terms of researching the different programs and making sure that they have like a certain list before walking in because it can be extremely overwhelming walking into a room with almost it feels like over a hundred programs uh, that you can walk into and get really bogged down on but kind of creating yourself a prioritized list of places that you want to go see we thought was incredibly helpful and a tool that we got from other residents at that time. So what tips do you have when students are actually preparing for and going on interviews? Absolutely. Interviews were definitely one of the most nerve-wracking parts about the residency process, although I'll tell you they were easily one of the most rewarding parts as well because even though it may be scary when you're thinking about it that, you know, someone's going to be sitting there with their hands folded asking you a ton of questions about yourself and you pretty much just have to sit there and talk, you know, all on your own. Um, it ended up being a very heartwarming and enjoyable process in the end, even though it seems scary up front. But what we did in order to prepare for the interview process was we had mock interviews with one another and additional students in our school. And I'll tell you, this was immensely, immensely valuable to get feedback from either residents who have gone through the um, residency interview process, like they had people from um, Jefferson, residents from the hospital come and do mock interviews with us because they went through the process themselves. But also Brooke and I would really try and sit down with one another and go through just a couple questions a day to just see, you know, either if you practice the question, how it came out, did it sound scripted? Or if, you know, there was a question that kind of came from left field that we asked one another, could we come up with an answer right then and there on the spot? Because no matter how much you prepare for the interview process, you really will get questions that you're not expecting. And you have to be able to take a pause, 
come up with a reasonable answer in order to really try and reflect yourself well. So it's good to kind of be prepared for some questions, but then also give each other questions that are a little bit from left field. Um, I will provide everyone with a little bit of insight that a lot of the times when I walked into the actual interview, I would not um, go off of the answer that I was originally intending to say, but I think that that ended up being for the better because it made for a lot more of a personable conversation. My favorite interview was my one at Maryland when everyone, every room asked me, what do you like to do for fun? And can I tell you that was my favorite question because it, it was just something that was so um, light and heartwarming and it's just not all of the questions are very, very serious. So um, make sure that you're prepared for both the serious questions, but also know how to talk a little bit about yourself. Now that you went through that, you guys have matched and you've got the, you get a good taste of what residency really is about. Can you guys kind of talk about some of the biggest challenges you've had and also kind of contrast that with what's been the most rewarding aspect of residency so far? I would say for me personally, one of the, this is Brooke speaking, uh, one of the biggest challenges is for me, it's coming into a new atmosphere. I'm originally from, you know, Philadelphia. The, the practice of medicine is actually very different than I've experienced here at the University of Kentucky. Um, but I think it's, it's honestly all for the better. It's for me being able to come into a new atmosphere and continue who, like my, my true passion and who I am, engaging every day on rounds with the medical team and the medical residents, but being able to integrate myself into a new environment, it can seem rather challenging, especially since I'm not with my best half you know we kind of always um, I don't want to say hung tight to each other but when we were in a new atmosphere I felt more comfortable because we were always with one another but being an independent practitioner on rounds and being able to kind of integrate with my medical team although it may seem like a challenge it has been also for me challenging yet one of the most rewarding feelings that I've had and I'm so happy to say that almost every medical resident on my at least one medical resident on each one of my teams so far has joined Twitter and I couldn't be happier to get them involved into that atmosphere um, just because it seems like we really get to know each other and you develop those relationships over time with your medical team the nurses and the staffs and like that is just so rewarding to feel like you're an integrated part of the team so that was for me personally <laughs> that's great um, I would say one of the most challenging parts, especially from going from a pharmacy student to a pharmacy resident, is the amount of responsibilities that get put on you um, as a resident compared to a student. So I know when I was a student, I would make a ton of interventions on rounds for my, you know, couple patients that I was following. But once I leaved rounds, it was pretty much, you know, going to different lectures, going to topic discussions, and really kind of enjoying that atmosphere. But as a resident, you take a lot of autonomy and responsibility of your patients. So when you're at rounds, you make your interventions, but you have to know that when you go back to your office and you know you have to re constantly be reviewing your patients, no matter if I was on internal medicine, oncology, or critical care, um, no matter what the you know level of illness of my patients were, I would constantly have to be making interventions even in the afternoon, making sure everything was facilitated well. And I think that that has been one of my biggest learning curves because normally, you know, it was up to kind of my preceptor to kind of handle all those things behind the scenes. But now all of the responsibility is on me to make sure that every intervention is being really facilitated through the medical team throughout the day. Um, I also think one of the most rewarding parts is very similar to what Brooke said, but I really enjoy 
getting to talk to the different providers on my team and how much um, they really rely off of me for my clinical expertise. I always make, um, you know, if there's any interventions I make after rounds, if they doc halo me or if they message me, um, they always come to me for a lot of things. I go through my preceptor and make sure that my interventions are okay, but they always ask, you know, every, and no matter what team we're consulting with, if it's like infectious disease or something, they always ask us if it's okay with us first before they make that intervention on the patient. So I think it's been really rewarding to know that they really care about our opinion before any changes are made to patient care. Absolutely. That sounds great. We got to know you guys pretty well. I don't know if anyone's you heard your guys' story. It's pretty cool to know there was three of you guys. I think that's like kind of the, the <laughs> takeaway from the age of three. And then the fact that you guys went to two separate residency programs. Any final thoughts from you two on phone med or just residency in general? I want to say for students, especially going into mid-year and the residency interview process, it can seem incredibly stressful. But I really want to encourage everybody to have fun. This is an incredibly rewarding process. You've worked so hard all four years of pharmacy school to get where you are today. And I just, you know, I think we, I, especially I can remember walking into it. I just felt, I felt very stressed. And then I had to sit back to myself and say, this is what I want. You know, I know that I want to work at the top of my license and that's where residency is going to get me. And I need to make sure that I am myself on all of these interviews, express to these people exactly who I am and what I want out of my pharmacy degree. And I just want to encourage you to have fun. Walk in every interview with a smile because nothing makes someone feel better than seeing their, you know, future prospective residents just have a smile on their face every day and enjoy every part of it. I mean, this is all an experience. Um, and you'll enjoy it. I would definitely say it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to be on, to be have the chance to go and interview at a lot of these places. I think one of my favorite things I learned during the residency interview process was the fact that you, it is an amazing opportunity to network with others. We made lifelong friends on our, on with people who we met during our interview process, even people who once we left our interviews, we actually ended up finding on Twitter and then staying in touch. And now we're really great friends with. So don't only take the interview process as that very um, serious time where you're really trying to figure out your residency, but also don't forget to have fun and meet the people around you. And because they're going to be lifelong colleagues, you're going to be with them in the pharmacy field for, you know, the rest of your professional career. So I think that was Definitely something that we recognized later on in the interview process, but it ended up being very valuable. Yeah, it's definitely something that is fun. It can be something that's, you know, terrifying if you make it that way, but it is it is great. And you guys get to, get to kind of get to go through the process again, maybe, and to kind of figure out what you guys want to do as far as with PGY2. So it's pretty interesting to see from this side, me just getting done with residency and in episode three kind of talked about transitioning from PGY2 to practitioner and seeing you guys transition from pharmacy school to PGY1 and moving forward. So it's kind of like a, you know, continuum of episode three. So this has been great. I definitely thank you guys for coming onto the show. It's been phenomenal to know you guys a little bit more. And I thank the audience for listening to another episode of Farm So Hard. Please check out the website and follow us on Twitter as well, Farm So underscore hard. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you guys. Bye.